Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. I just went back 20 years. Could have oh kept going. Goodness. I didn't even know you guys were here. That's what, that's what kind of happened that was amazing. There's so many things going on at your wedding. There's all these things. You're, you're meeting everyone and talking to everyone, and you're you know, worried about the flowers and all the things. And I just remember like we had our first dance to that song, and it was like the world could have been exploding right then, and it's like nothing. I, it was like we couldn't even see anything else. It was like the most amazing moment, like, ever. <laughs> and then my drunk friend tried to dance with her. <laughs> John, and then needed, it just went. John needed to work on finding new friends when we got married. Started out so good, and then... <laughs> Ladies, be yeah. careful when you date baseball players. No, you're good. No, not me, the other guy. Oh, oh yeah. He was, he didn't realize I was the bride. Yeah. Yeah. He thought he had a chance that like, night. Like, bro, hands up, you know? <laughs> wow. Hands up. Yeah. Okay, look, so this is. Oh. Obviously when we got married. That dude right there, that's my uncle, uh, Keith, who I yep. talk about all the time, who introduced me to the Holy Spirit, who, who drives out demons all the time in Fresno. Drove out some demons from me early on in our relationship. We Are you really her quiet? Up. Can you guys hear We him? drove her up to Fresno, okay. and then he drove out the demons in you. Yep. Thank amazing. God. Thank God. We wouldn't yeah. be married otherwise. Yep. Yeah. There we are. Our little baby little, fat cheeks. The little <laughs> going on When John with the hair. met me, I had really white blonde hair and plum underneath when he met me. I know. He still liked me. It was amazing. Go ahead and take your seats, you You're guys. You're so cute, babe. <laughs> oh. I feel like we should get married right now again with all of our no, friends. Don't. You're, we're good. We knew our vows. We're good. <laughs> Nobody at our wedding is here tonight. No. They went to our wedding because our friendship group, we weren't going to this church when we got married. Um, about three years after we got married, I think. Yeah. And it's amazing how none of the people that are at our wedding are like our friends today. I mean, distant friends, but yeah. Um, but we've met cooler people, no. <laughs> apparently. No, we met people that were on like the same path, you yeah. know, and God just really has yeah. expanded our life. We actually had a 10-year wedding renewal that I surprised him with, and we like, had a lot of people there are still in our lives today for sure. Yeah, so we did it. We did it better the second time, too. Yeah. Sorry. Got to fly around. Yeah. I'm fine. It'll be good. Yeah, so, 20 years married, and here we are. We hope and pray we're going to give you some, some helpful things to help you on your journey and your relationships and all that. But we had some funny or some fun questions come through that we thought we'd maybe fire off really quickly before we uh, dive into what we want to share about tonight. So, which question do you want to answer first? Vacation that yeah. drew us together. So she is. She does have a nickname, Vacation oh, yeah. Becky. That doesn't mean I'm wild and crazy. I'm sure it sounds like Vacation Becky. 
gets just like crazy. party or something like that. No, I actually get really calm because <laughs> I'm goes like this all the time. And so it's really, it's amazing when we go on vacation, I actually like really settle. I don't want to make any decisions. I'm the easiest going person of all time because um, my life is very busy and having to make decisions all the time. So I'm like, where do you want to go to dinner? I'm like, I don't, I don't care. Wherever you want to go. You know, it takes most people like two or three days to get into vacation mode. Becky's in vacation mode on the way to the airport. Like, she's out. She's done. No, but our va- no, they were asking like vacations that oh. drew us together. And I think family vacation, I think I will say our favorite was a river rafting trip we took with our kids. We got some really amazing advice from other people married in our church saying, you know, Definitely, like, do the hotel and the all-inclusive and have let the kids have milkshake after milkshake and all of that, absolutely. But your best trips would be the adventure trips with your kids. And we just really, it was, like, the most beautiful time going down the river for three days, sleeping in cabins that had bats and there was deer eating out of your hand and all of the things. Like, in the wilderness, there was no light. So once the sun went down, you couldn't see in front of your face. Like, we were, like, truly disconnected and, and like, keeping that raft afloat and kayaking and flipping over and you know saving our kids and all that stuff it was like it was just like the best time ever that's like the uh, the best family vacation I feel like we have ever had yeah it goes in different stages right when your kids are little you do different things like she likes to just hang out by the pool she doesn't think vacation is anything unless there's sand a beach and the sun Um, I know and as we've gotten older though our vacations have become more adventurous because you can only sit in front of the pool for so long. I have now um, moved from only sitting by the pool to now sitting on the beach. I feel like that is progress (laughs) after 20 years. I have switched it up so much. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Okay. Well, and then we had a lot of questions and we've, we've preached so many messages. It was, it's hilarious when you ask the questions that you want to get answered. And then it's a lot of the same three things over and over and over again. So, um, we're going to be hitting on some of that, but we also, there was just some questions. There was a lot of questions that were coming through about how to prioritize, you know, your marriage in the early days, especially when you have children and things like that. And, yeah, like when we were when we were first married, we hear like we hear about the date night nowadays. We we were out like every night together. Yeah, it was awesome. Like date night, we were out date every night. Yeah, every night. We didn't have kids. Date life. Date life. <laughs> date life. Um, and then, um, but once you have kids, you have to be more strategic. But one of the things that we found that we were able to do because our our we put our kids on a schedule. They had a bedtime, um, and they didn't sleep with us. They had a bedtime and didn't sleep with us, so we could do things like yeah. um, put them to bed and then have a little date night at our own house in yeah. our backyard or whatever. You didn't have to go out to a restaurant all the time or yeah. whatever. You could literally go in the backyard. We were so and- good about that. I don't know if it was, se- I think it was seven o'clock was the bedtime, and so then, you know, we're staying up at least till 10, woohoo, you know, but you have then three hours. We just we just sat on the couch, talked about the day, had a glass of wine, went in our backyard, started the fire pit. So it's like, we never actually had that season where we felt super disconnected with kids because because we had the kids on a schedule and allowed us to have so much time together still. Um, so that's, that's kind of how we, we worked that season out. So, Yeah, and then prioritizing God in your marriage and in your family and stuff. I mean, that just kind of, I think, yeah. self-explanatory kind of, but um, everything comes out of your relationship with God. So it's not like, you know, you got to, you know, you have God, family, job, whatever. It's like everything comes from God. Yeah. Um, Jesus told Mary that she had it right when she was sitting at the feet of Jesus and Martha didn't have it right. And so he, what, but basically what he was saying is spend time with me and then out of that, yeah. you know, do your life. And so having your relationship with God is the center of everything. Yeah. Um, and we, we, we actually, I don't know if this is um, right, but we actually don't, um, you know, sit down and do devotionals every day. We don't pray together every, every day. 
Um, we don't do that. I don't, I'm not saying that's bad. We just never have done that consistently. We've done it, but not like consistently. Yeah. Um, so I, I know there's a lot of guys that think like they have to be the spiritual leader. They got to know the Bible and know everything that, uh, about the Bible. Um, but I would say that as long as you're on the journey, hungry for God and yeah. growing in God, that's being yeah. a spiritual leader. Yeah. Get your family into the house of God. Get your kids into kids' church. Yeah. Get your kids into junior high and high school and, and, um, and do that. Yeah, Be and have parent. your own, especially your own devotional time time with yeah. God. And and we honestly see that because sometimes people like place church as like the competitor of the family, but it's like the church is the right. best builder, builder of family. Like if you if we actually all came in here and we applied one thing every Sunday or every Wednesday that we heard to our lives, to our relationships, like we would be crushing every relationship that we had, learning about forgiveness, honoring, like, you know, humbling yourself and serving and all of these things. Like I want to tell all of you, and this is a shameless plug for Cherish Conference and Emerge Conference. So that isn't you, oh, taking time away from your family and this and that. It is the biggest builder of family. When you think about it, if you have ladies in your life or if you are a husband in this place, you are responsible to make sure the lady in your life gets the conference, and I'll tell you why. Because all the frustrations that you have and all the things that are troubling your relationships and all of that gets resolved at conference. Like, you're going to hear, I mean, you're, 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 I mean, there's very few conversations John has to confront me on or behaviors that I need to change because I'm hearing it when I go into these environments. She I constantly hear about tells on herself how to, to be a bigger, a better wife, a better, you know, uh, mom and all of these things, how to overcome insecurities and, and all, control and all this stuff. I'm learning it there. So it's like the best thing you do for your relationships and for your life is like to send them there so then you don't have to be the nagging person. Like let Jesus do it at conference. That's why we need to get our men to emerge as well. The Holy Spirit and all the speakers are going to tell them all the things that have been troubling you. It's, it's so, Yeah, we so had one important. of the most epic immersion nights of all time last Wednesday. Yeah, yeah. It was awesome. Had a lot of fellas in the house. It was fun. Another question, then we'll move on. But oh. they, someone was just asking, like, what made John stand out from the rest? Um, and he's like, my abs. He literally said that in the car. I'm like, that's not true. 20 even, years ago. I didn't even know you had them. I was not that... I, <laughs> I really thought... Fellas, girls do not care about that stuff. Well, some girls do. You could care less. No, but you're very handsome. Thank you. I like how you look. My wife was cute when we got married, but she's beautiful. Now, look at her. Oh, <laughs> thanks, babe. <laughs> Seriously, 20 years later. Amazing. It's Jesus. When you're amazing. happy... And you have the greatest friends in the greatest church. Like, how can you not get better with age? I love it. I love it. Okay, we're kind of, so we just wanted to fire off some of those to answer those, but. Wait, wait, last question. What? Should you have sex at least three times a week? That's Great not, question, somebody. That's not on my notes. That's not on my notes. Oh, that came in on my, on mine. <laughs> I sent it to myself. <laughs> The answer is yes, ladies and gentlemen, yes. I mean, yes. that's a pretty good goal. That's a pretty good target, maybe a little excessive. If you can for handle some. more, go ahead. Yeah. It might be a little excessive for some. I would say at least twice. <laughs> at least if you're healthy and all the things, Pastor says, if you're healthy and there's nothing crazy, like you should be able to at least have sex twice because it actually unites you guys and brings you, you together. So, anyways, good, good question, Hallelujah. addition there, John Heinrichs. 
So I think it's actually, so 20 years married, so just so you know, like we're always growing, we're always improving, there's always things that you're overcoming, but this has probably been one of the craziest years of our life with the amount of things that have been going on. Thank God for beautiful Rachel who did an amazing job on her tithe message. She came into our lives at just the perfect time. She's been, so in 12 months, we will be moving for the fourth time starting tomorrow. So we've gone through four full house moves. Um, and it's just been so such many an, great people have helped us. Yes, it's yes. been amazing. But just it's been such a journey. So much going on. We've had broken noses, fractured wrists, busted knees, knees, all of these things. And I'm like, that'll happen in the last like five weeks. Yeah. Yeah. While we're remodeling the house. So, so, you know, like it's a miracle we're still standing, let alone still smiling a little bit. You know, so it's like there's so much that can go on in your lives. But like just if you're going through a season and it's busy and there's lots happening, just hold on. Because it's, it's called a season because there's it's a reason you call it a season because seasons change. Like, hold on. You're going to be okay. You're going to get through it. And so, yeah, it's just been a crazy time, but it's, it, it, God is so good. Like we're still standing happily married and yes. Yeah. We met Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. 21 years ago. Yes, we did. We met 21 years ago really quickly. Some of you might, I know have heard this story, but we met because my dad was a probation officer. He was a supervisor and this young lady was also a probation officer dealing with um, terrible sex offenders. Yes. Violent crimes. Violent crimes, and like terrible offenders. people. I was so glad when she quit that job. Um, but um, so he, he was looking at me kind of like, dude, I need to help my son. He was struggling. And so he was like, <laughs> he was like, son, you need to meet this girl in my office. <laughs> and I'm like, dad, is she a probation officer? <laughs> like that does not sound attractive. <laughs> I was picturing like, hairy armpits and stuff like I like <laughs> I went I went to there. like the worst, case, the worst scenario. case scenario and so I'm like dad is she is she cute or is she nice or both yeah and so he said well she's at least as cute as your ex-girlfriend and so I agreed to meet her and and you sound so actually right now. The, um this was kind of like BC a little bit like I was saved but barely and uh so um yeah. Just kidding. I was pretty saved you since were. I was six. Yeah. But um, but I I met her and she was the third kind of like blind date of that week for me. And no. the second Becky of the week. The second and, Becky. <laughs> and because here's the thing, if you want to get married, like go on dates. Like yeah. I was like, somebody set me up. I need help. Yeah, your dad. It wasn't all the online stuff back in the day. So, anyways, he brought you in. We brought he brought me in. We met very very awkwardly Awkward. in the probation office office. The the his the, dad just goes, "Oh, I'm gonna bring in my son today for you to meet," and I'm like, "Oh my gosh, Ted! Like that's so uncomfortable." <laughs> and so I was like, "Well, I have plans like with my friend for lunch." So I'm like, "I'm not gonna sit in my office like waiting for him. Like that's so weird." And so I'm like, "Well, I'm going to lunch." And so like we, I literally met the elevator with my friend, and the doors open. It's like, ah! and then John's standing there with his dad, and I'm like, "Hello," <laughs> and we just said hi, and then that was it. Yeah. But then his dad was brave enough to ask for my phone number to give to him, and that started the journey. Yeah. We talked for like yeah. three weeks before we saw each other. Yeah. Yep. But I did, just so you know, my first question when Ted asked me if I, if I could give him my number, I said, Ted. I said, I'm not trying to sound rude. I said, but I'm a Christian. 
and I, I'm not messing around anymore. Like, I need someone that loves God. It's going to, like, believe what I believe. He goes, we're Christians. We go to the rock. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, you can give my number then. <laughs> but, yeah, it was Good super job, awkward. And then, and then we have to kind of move on. But, John, we want to tell stories, too. But, yeah, so then he, um, you know, we, we talked on the phone for three weeks. We were so busy. We met the same time we met. My ex-boyfriend that I almost married for and dated for five years came back into my life the same weekend. Ooh. It was a little bit awkward. And then, um, then I really felt like the Holy Spirit say, you need to, like, get away from these boys and just talk to me. And, like, and I will So she was you. dating two people at the same time. <laughs> just be clear. So stressful. Clear. Don't ever do it again. I've never done it before, and I, obviously I'll never do it again. Um, but yeah, no. So I went away, flew to Oregon, so dramatic, and I wouldn't let either of them call me. I felt so weak for myself. I was like, <laughs> come back. <laughs> and he's singing five years, three weeks, or four weeks. Um, but I, all, I didn't actually hear a yes from God necessarily. I heard from the Holy Spirit, um, you'll regret not getting to know this gentlemen. So I had someone that was wanting to be back in my life and potentially marry me again. And then someone that I just met three weeks ago and the Holy Spirit said, you'll regret not getting, he didn't promise me anything, but I, I knew it was the Holy Spirit. So I came home and we went to dinner and then, um, and then we sat across the table from each other <laughs> and I was nervous, man. She's like, it's like a, like a corny movie. She's like, I choose you. And I was like, thank you. <laughs> so weak for I myself. I did say that. Like, why didn't I phrase it differently? Like, I can never get that back. Like, think before you speak. I choose you. <laughs> and then for like the next month, no kidding, I would go to her house and she still had pictures of her ex-boyfriend up. I didn't even notice them. Good thing I was confident in myself. Yeah, I didn't, uh, that meant like nothing to me. But we had a lot of questions about how did you know they were the ones. So for all, I want to, we're not just going to talk, I mean, relationships, yes, marriage, yes. But really quickly, I think a lot of people struggle with like, how do you know, like, if it's the right one or if you make the wrong choice. We will say this, that um, when we started dating, we instantly both had a peace that we've never felt before. There was always a question like, I don't know, but we both felt a peace instantly. It felt very natural. But then you can fall into that trap of like falling in love at first sight, then you're not seeing clearly because you're so in love. Um, and so we actually invited very strong voices into our life from the very beginning. And we chose people that had walked with us for a very long time to ask if they saw any red flags, let us know. Like I was, I was ready to listen to them because I knew I was getting kind of blinded because I was like really falling for him really quickly. Um, yes, I was. And so, um, but I was ready to hear, I was ready to hear a no, I was ready to hear you need to slow down, I was ready to hear uh, this seems to be an issue. So we, I went to multiple people asking tough questions because it's the biggest decision of your life outside of giving your life to the Lord. And so you really, you don't want to shut out wise counsel. There's wisdom in a multitude of counselors. I didn't just go to one, I went to multiple and they all, like even my most, like the strongest conservative reserve people were like, absolutely, like this is it. Like, 
It, it was, it was, so we had so much confirmation. And so, um, we are going to say premarital. Something. No, well, we, we did, did premarital. Yeah. So we did all of those things. I think if you're dating in here and you are not introducing your person to your closest church friends and your wise counsel, red flag, if, um, <laughs> it, yeah, like absolutely. If you haven't asked your closest friends what they think about this relationship, you already know it's a red flag. So what you doing? <laughs> Um, but honestly, trust them, trust God, trust God, you know? And so I think once you have that peace, God's going to give you that peace. He's the author of peace. He's not the author of confusion. So I think when people start to second guess if this is the right one after they had that peace, they're doubting because they have fears and they have anxieties or insecurities. Like, am I worthy of this? Like, am I going to be a good wife? Am I going to be a good husband? You know, and, and then they're worried about like, well, what if we can't provide? And so, so when you actually know, you know, and, and you shouldn't waver in there, but people think the doubting is wavering. But you have doubts because there's still brokenness and unhealed parts of you. So really discern what that the difference is there. Because I've seen people questioning whether they're the right one or not, and they should be just questioning or asking themselves, do I need to get some freedom in prayer over the fact that I have a lot of fear whether I'm going to be a good provider or this or that. So just wanted to throw that out there. All Most right. of the questions that we always get is on conflict, yes, how to resolve always. conflict, how to, how to communicate and all that kind of stuff. Um, and all of our problems come when we are not communicating all of them or we're not meeting each other's needs yes <laughs> so for example one of her needs is acts of service so she likes yes vacuuming she likes coming home and there being like nothing out the house clean why and can't all that the house kind of be clean stuff. when i come home um not that hard guys <laughs> So if her needs aren't being met, then she could get frustrated. And if I'm trying to meet her needs by buying her things, which she also likes, or by doing other things that, um, you know, taking her to a movie, which she hates, or stuff like that, then her needs aren't being met. She's going to be frustrated. If I'm not getting my needs met because maybe she's cleaning the house and making all this food, and I'm like, that's great, but that's not my first need, um, <laughs> then I would get frustrated and start twitching and weird stuff like that. So... It's either that or lack of communication. Yeah, we're not, yes. And so we did share a little bit of that, this at the marriage retreat, but we needed to redress it because so many people were asking these questions. So we highly encourage you to get the full message, get the little card from the marriage retreat we just had. But we talked about conflict in a new way than we had ever really thought of it. And so the Holy Spirit just kind of like downloaded like the rules of engagement when it comes to battle and, and war. And it's a, it's a U.S. military term, the rules of engagement, where they define where, when, and how, and against whom military forces can be used and with which weapons. Um, and then another definition said, orders that soldiers fighting in a war are given about what they can and cannot do. And so we were just talking about like how important that is when you're in a battle, when you're in a heated argument, to understand what the rules of engagement are to be effective, to actually bring resolution and just not more pain and hurt and injury. And so feel free to, um, whatever, all this talk. Um, and so- Some of our best conversations, I never say anything. Just keep going. <laughs> True. <laughs> 
So these are rules. You, you, military doesn't go into battle not knowing what the rules are and what's about to go down, and they want to win. And so when we are in conflict, we have to remember that it's different. Like, what are the rules of engagement? What have you discussed? What is okay and what is not okay? Obviously, name-calling is not okay because the Bible says it's not okay. Like, yelling in anger is not okay because the Bible says it's not okay. Like, there's certain things like bringing up history, name-calling, firing, shooting to wound, and all this kind of stuff. Like, what are rules? Like, can you walk away if it gets too heated? I would say yes, but then you come back knowing we've, we've got to still work this out when we're calmer. Like, what are your rules of engagement? And you can find a lot of that in the Bible, which we'll read a verse in a moment. But I think the biggest thing to, to know when you're in a disagreement that your spouse or the person that you're in relationship with can never become your enemy. Like, there's enemy lines. This is where the enemy is. This is where you guys are. And you both need to stay on this side when you're having conflict. The moment they become and you make them the enemy, you're now firing at one another and someone, if not both people, are bound to get wounded, injured, and experience more pain that is so unnecessary. You have to remember that you are in this together. You are on the same team no matter how bad or how rough things are getting, and then you push back against the enemy that's trying to bring division, disunity about around the oppression, whatever's ailing him or ailing me. Like, we are in this together. We are on the same line. You can never fire at one another because you you have disagreements and you have conflict and you communicate to bring resolution, right? And to heal, not just more pain and suffering. So stay on the same line of the battlefield. Yes. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, right. but against principalities and powers. First Peter 3, 7 to 9 is like uh, our favorite passage around marriage. It says, husbands likewise dwell with your wives with understanding giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel and as being heirs together of the grace of life that your prayers may not be hindered. So this is all about coming together in unity. It's all about honoring each other. It's all about uh, yeah. doing this life together um, and living with each other with understanding. So guys, we are called to try and understand these beautiful people that God created called women. Keep trying. Um, <laughs> Otherwise, your prayers can be hindered. Yeah. I, that, that's a scary verse for me because if I pray, I want to get results. Yeah. Finally, all of you be of one mind, having compassion for one another. Love as brothers. Be tenderhearted. Be courteous. Not returning evil for evil or reviling for reviling. Right. So just because she's put me behind enemy lines and she's throwing darts at me doesn't mean I get to do it back to her. Don't return you're reviling for reviling. Yeah. It's you and God. Not You're not accountable to her. You're accountable to God first. Yeah. Um, it says, but on the contrary, blessing, knowing that you are called to this, that you may inherit a blessing. So you are actually called to this. Yeah. You're called to relationship and marriage. And God doesn't call you to things. He doesn't give you the power to do very, very well and be successful. So Amen. you can do it. You can do it. Yeah. You can have a great marriage. And so we always say in our fighting, which we don't always accomplish, we taught on all of this at marriage conference, and then we went out to dinner that night and applied not one of our rules, and we had the biggest fight of all time, and then we had to re-preach our, our communication and conflict session the next day. I'm like, wow, like, what are we even doing up here? We failed at everything. So there's hope for everyone. We were everyone. making up on stage, kind of. It was of. so... Yeah, he claimed that he like said he was sorry and he didn't. Then he had like a, I was like, no, you didn't. So he had like <laughs> apologized to me in front of everybody um, up there. But honestly, every word out of your mouth needs to be towards reconciliation because why we're not we shouldn't just be fighting to fight and to hurt and to wound. That happens when you become bitter and you have unforgiveness towards each other. But the whole point to bring up something is to bring up the resolution and healing. And so we got to move faster. Yeah, we go. And please don't send the keys. 
Because I will just be awkward when we're trying to talk. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> so you want to talk, tell the story? Um, yeah, so just an example of this, and this story touches on like some other things. So, um, oh, do you want to talk about that? Oh, yes. Sorry, guys. This. Oh, yeah. All right, so, and when you're, when you're in a disagreement, it's so easy to attack like the fruit or the, man, the behavior or, the, or the, the issue, but really, that's never gonna get you anywhere because the issue is never the issue. Yeah. How, do we like, know that? There's a root to the issue. And so if you wanna bring true resolution, healing, and restoration in your relationships in conflict, you have to actually get to the root of the problem. They're not really mad about the dirty dishes in the sink. They're not really mad about that. I mean, it's annoying, let's, let's be honest, but it's not the real problem. There's a root to why that they manifest when those things happen. There's a deeper wound there that needs to be resolved. And so early on in our marriage, um, and you know, we have shared this story many times, but I came from a lot of brokenness, a lot of betrayal and heartbreak and uh, abusive relationships. And so I had a lot of wounding, a lot of mistrust. I was extremely insecure, extremely fearful, anxious. I always thought I was gonna be cheated on or, or hurt again and wounded again. So I had like every guard up, um, which led me to control. And so, because I wanted to at least feel safe. So I thought I was safe if I controlled everything he did, but it, it's just an illusion. Like it's, it's not really safety. So we talk about how I would never let him go to charger games. Cause what if he fell in love with the cheerleader and then he left me. We couldn't go to the beach cause there was people there in swimsuits and God forbid he some, sees someone that's attractive. Like I had all these rules and it was just, it was destroying our relationship. Like I was, I was fighting with him every single day, causing so much havoc, so much chaos. It was, we had no joy in our home. It was always tense. It was always miserable. And I was like, I was destroying our relationship because of all these things. And, and then the first the beginning part of this, like he didn't, he didn't recognize the root. And so he would just you know, fight back and fire back when I was firing at him, making these, all these accusations. And we never got anywhere and nothing was ever resolved. And until he finally like had this revelation from the Holy Spirit that really helped break that cycle. Yeah, I had a revelation that I was fighting the woman I was supposed to be, I was fighting the woman I was supposed to be fighting for. And the Holy Spirit basically showed me this picture. It was a beautiful picture actually. Of, it was almost like a sheet and it was, the sheet was grace. And it was, it was wrapped around my, my wife, so she had grace, and then it was like I looked behind her to fight the problem, which wasn't her. It was the, it was the demon or the oppression that was driving the behavior. Yeah. And so we li yeah. I literally moved her aside onto my side, yeah. wrapped her in grace, and then together we fought against the issue. And so we weren't able to get resolve no, yeah. until that happened. Like, we would still be fighting about that. Uh, if it wasn't for the Holy Spirit, who they call the helper, which yeah. he helps us. And so he helped us. Yeah. And so we just began to fight against those things and instead. And I, I started to get like a righteous anger um, against those things and even against the people that had hurt her in the past because it wasn't her fault. Um, and I began, began to, instead of being mad at her, became very, very proud of her because of how far she had come. So it was just a whole different yeah. mind shift. And uh, it was really it was, we were able to reconcile from It there. was like the language all of a sudden is like, you, you, you. It was like, we're going to get through this together. We're going to get your breakthrough. We're going to overcome this. And, he, and then he's the one that drove me up to go see his uncle to get set free from all of my spirits of fear and control. Like, Uncle Keith, I got another one for you. <laughs> <laughs> but it was so, it changed everything. When he wasn't, we weren't each other's enemies, that we were fighting together for our breakthrough. Um, and so. Similar story. Yeah. 
similar story, and, and you guys know the story about how we lost, you know, everything, real estate and stuff. Um, and, you know, finances is one of the biggest dividers of marriages, yeah. one of the biggest causes for divorce is finances. And so it was a very trying season in our marriage. We had two young kids, and we were losing literally everything, and it was 100% my fault. And I had, um, I was in real estate, and I was buying up all these properties, and literally just putting contracts in front of my wife, making her sign things. And I let um, him know that I was not comfortable with it. I said my piece, and then at the end of the day, I had to trust God enough to let him do what he really felt he wanted to do. And so it was like a real lesson of like submission for me. It was like one of the first times in our marriage, it was like, I don't agree and I've communicated that I don't agree, but I, you're the head of this house and I have to let you do this no matter where the cards fall. And at the end of the day, I wasn't, I wasn't really putting my trust in him in that moment. I was putting my trust in God that he would take care of us no matter what happened with this, with this situation. Yeah, so we kept going. I heard her her piece and didn't listen. Just kept going. I'm thinking, oh, she's gonna thank me in like five years. It's gonna be amazing. And uh, but ended up, you know, losing everything. And one of the things that I'm so thankful for for from Becky is she never threw it in my face. She never said, "You made all these stupid decisions. Now look at our life." Um, she kept me on her side of the battlefield. And, and we fought that thing together. I mean, obviously, she wasn't happy about the situation. Neither was I, by the way. Yeah. And so, um, but she wasn't beating me up. I was beating myself up, but she wasn't jumping on. And so that's when, um, it was during that season that I actually became a lot closer with God. It's That's when the drop zone was developed because I had to go to God every single day or I probably would have lost my marriage because it was, it was hard. Yeah. And um, But she never jumped on. She never... Um, condemned me. She never called me a loser or told me I wasn't a good provider or anything like that. She always was on my side. In fact, she even started her own business to, to help us um, called Bectoria Babies. Way back in the day. Hair making bows for hair babies. Bows for and uh, it, it was awesome. And, and she was, she was I'll just say, it. like, so the significance of this <clears throat> is, I mean, even just within this story, like the submission, the trusting God, but then also just like he said, staying on the same side, like he didn't, he already knew he messed up. When we talk about this, it took us eight years to recover. We lost hundreds of thousands of dollars, a million dollars worth of real estate. We lost our own home. Like we were selling furniture. We were sell, we sold my wedding ring. Like we did whatever we had to do to recover. And then we let God and his grace and his mercy restore everything, you know, that we lost in that season. But it wasn't just like, oh, it was a moment and now we move past. This was like eight years. And I think that's where you, if, if I wasn't able to, even release forgiveness for for all that. We had two babies. One was a newborn and a one-year-old. And so there was so many chances like we could have had to let this tear us apart. But it's like we refused to let the enemy come in and bring disunity. Like my first thing, my first response was just like, okay, we're gonna get through this. We're gonna be fine. What do we need to do? You know, and I just remember knowing that the enemy was doing working overtime to make him feel so terrible about the position he put our family in. And I just thought to myself, oh my gosh, the worst thing that I could ever do is kick him when he's down. Like he needs more encouragement now than he's ever needed in his whole life. And that was my job to be on the same side of the battlefield like with him. Yeah. And ladies, you don't know how powerful your voice is in your husband's life. Like if yeah. she encourages me just a little bit, I'm like, it's on. I could do anything. 
I can do anything. But a lot of us guys, you know, we, we do beat ourselves up because yeah. we do have pressure to provide and protect and everything. And so some of you guys might need to forgive yourself. Yeah. Um, I had to go to God constantly and forgive myself because I let my wife down. I let my kids down. You know, I let myself down, all that kind of stuff. So I had to forgive myself. So some of you might need to deal with that, forgiving yourself for some of the mistakes that maybe you've made. Yeah. Um, it's okay. God's got you. His grace yes. is sufficient. Grace That's what he told sufficient. me. His grace is sufficient Absolutely. for me. Absolutely. Um, Maybe one last kind of like story and sharing, and then I know we yeah. need to kind of like come Go to a it. close. But, um, and again, while we've repeated a lot of these, when, when we talk about like the biggest lessons we've learned, these have been the biggest areas of growth and strength in our relationship, the lessons we learned doing a lot of these hardships and challenges and things like that. And I think another huge lesson that we learned pretty early on in our marriage was how important our thought life was. And uh, years, years ago, I preached a message called Mind Games. And, and this whole revelation that really changed our marriage came out of something that um, I had to walk through. You know, I was like, I had massive throat pain for like three or four years. Like I had to change my whole lifestyle. I wouldn't go to restaurants anymore because um, I couldn't over talk in a crowd. Um, I would never go in our lobby to talk to people. When I would preach on a Sunday, I wouldn't want to talk until about Thursday. So it was just like this thing and I was putting off the surgery that I needed because they were saying she might not, it might damage your vocal cords permanently and all this stuff. So I, I just put it off. But then I was like, God, why are you not healing me? Like, Lord, by your stripes, I'm healed. The enemy's trying to rob me of my voice. Like I'm supposed to be a minister and he's robbing me of my voice. And I was just making it all spiritual and all this stuff. And I know now while God's desire is to heal always and God didn't cause that to happen to me, God used it to bring about one of the most important revelations I've ever had in my entire life. Because in that season of of going through all of this throat pain, all this kind of stuff, I was extremely miserable. And it wasn't just because of that. I was depressed. I was angry all the time. I was bitter. I was resentful. I just would walk into my, I'd be in such a bad mood. I was like, what is wrong with me? Like, am I like really like, is, am I depressed? And I was so, my th I was just so not, in a good place. And I just kept thinking it was like the enemy attacking me. And so I ended up having this vocal cord surgery and then I couldn't talk for a week. And so was it two weeks? I don't remember how long it was, but I couldn't speak at all. And, um, and so I prepared to be silent. I did all these voice memos for my kids. I did disciplinary <laughs> ones. I was like, when the boys are being bad and I would save these and I'd be like, boys, go to your room, blah, blah, blah. So I just like, when they were doing something, I would just like play the boys being bad one. And then I had like the bedtime routine, like, okay, it's time to brush your teeth and wash your face and wash your hands. And then, so I just literally just like play my, my videos like, or my voice recordings all the time. Um, I had all of them. I, it, was, it was quite hilarious. Uh, she would write stuff to me like on a piece of paper or text, or text me. And then we're sitting right here and I would just like text her back. And I'm like, you can She's talk. Like, you can talk. <laughs> it was it's just, me. It was just a weird thing that was happening. It was, it was like the trippiest <laughs> thing, you know. Everyone started like trying to do like sign language. Like, <laughs> like my boys, I'm like, oh, what are you doing? <laughs> but anyway, so when you're not, when you're not, when you can't speak, you, I had to literally think about everything I was thinking about. Cause I'm like, do I have to write, is this important enough to actually like type out or write out on a piece of paper or write on my whiteboard or, cause like, so every thought I had to think about if it was worthy of sharing. And I realized in my silence, my house is more peaceful than it has ever been. Yeah, true. Thank God for this revelation. So my house was more peaceful than it had ever been. And, 
and because I was quiet. So I was like, that was first thing, wow. But then I realized in my silence, how many negative, horrible, dark, wicked things that would run through my mind. Like, oh, you're so lazy, you little brats. You're not even grateful. It was just like, and immediately I would think it and I'm like, ooh. And then my, my demeanor would change. I would go right back to that dark place. And so it was this, I, I realized after a few days of this, watching myself pay attention to what I'm thinking about and then watched my whole demeanor internally change. And then I, ha- I was despising the, and all of this stuff. And I, and I realized the devil is not attacking me. I am attacking me. My thoughts are destroying myself and my relationship with my husband and my kids. And so I had to stay in silence for a week because I couldn't, I, this was way too much to type out people. So I was just like working on this, you know, taking every thought captive. So I had to learn in that season that, I, so I was not clinically depressed. I was tormenting myself because I wasn't guarding my thoughts. I had all these negative dialogue about John that I didn't even realize I had because I was so busy. I never stopped to think what I was thinking about. So I thought it was an exterior thing that was making me miserable. I was making myself miserable because of my thoughts. And so I had to like keep track of all this stuff. And God gave me this revelation, the scripture, you know, focus on things that are lovely, noble, pure, all that kind of stuff. But I had to um, arrest, take every thought captive, the Bible says. So in that season, when a negative thought would come in or a good thought, I would arrest it. I'd think about my thought. And then I would be like, is this from God or is this from the devil? Is this helping me or is this hurting me? Is this bringing me joy or is this bringing me darkness? And then if it was not a God thought, I had to arrest it and boot it out. I'm like, I refuse to believe that. That is a lie from the devil. That is not what the word of God says. And I would reject it. So I'd arrest it. If it wasn't a God thought, I would reject it. But then the thought kept wanting to penetrate my mind. And so I had to then replace it with a thought of praise and worthiness and things that are noble and true. So then I had to declare in my mind that I am so blessed to have my husband. I am blessed to be a mother. I thank God for my house. I thank God for his purpose. I thank God. Until all the negativity in my system left. And so I realized I was making myself sick. And so I finally, after a week, um, two funny things. I said two words in two weeks. One, John told me not to come to church. I'm like, I have to go to church. The sec- Turn around your neighbor and say hi. I'm like, hi. I'm like, <gasps> and he's like, I told you not to come to church. And then the other one, one of my boys or someone standing in the kitchen. Hey, what's that thing that you, when someone has a heart attack? I was like, it's a defibrillator. And I'm like, <gasps> So I broke the rules with defibrillator and saying hi to someone at church. But eventually I was able to tell John, I was like, John, I know I'm depressed. I know I feel negative. I know all these things. I was like, I hated you in my head. I hated the kids in my head. And this is why, what my problem was. And guess what he said to me? What did you say? I love you. No, you, you said, oh my gosh, I do the same thing about you. I did. And here's, here's what we realized. We realized that um, just the way we both grew up, and especially the way she grew up with different relationships, that um, she couldn't handle, you know, arguing out loud and calling each other names, and that's kind of what she knew growing up. And so we would never do that when we fought. And so instead of fighting and, learning and saying it out loud and resolve. learning how to communicate, we would just keep it in our heads. And I would do the same thing. And we'd start telling, and then, you know, whenever you keep it in your head, it starts manifesting. You start telling yourself stories and then things get worse and worse. You have conversations in your head that you're never going to have. Yeah. And so I realized I did the same thing. So it was a crazy revelation for me as well to take yeah. every thought captive. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, it really improved things. So. It's just such a huge thing. Like we need to do that with all relationships, friendships. Like, you'd be amazed at the things you're thinking about people, and, but you, ha- you need to stop and think about what you're thinking about because your thoughts are making you sick. It really is. 
Yeah, and you would think that um, after telling all those stories that our marriage was terrible, but it's actually been pretty fun. And yeah, I like it. We've done a lot of a lot of good things, and so I would just say, as a maybe a parting um, word, um, just the the gratefulness I have for um, my marriage and for my bride after 20 years, and the investment that I've never regretted an investment that I've made in her or in our family. And so one of the things that we've done since the very beginning is we decided to take a vacation for at least a week just by ourselves every single year. And so, um, I'm, you know, we're blessed enough to have my, my family in town so our kids can, um, stay with them. But every year we've gone at least on one vacation by ourselves for at least seven days. And that's really helped rejuvenate us. That's where vacation Becky comes alive. And, uh, and, there's something to getting out of the region where you live and able, uh, that yes. enables you to, re- to relax. And different people have different things, right? It's like some people like to go to Yosemite or go on hikes or, you know, go to Mexico or whatever it is for you. Do that thing and invest in your, in your marriage. You yeah. don't have to, it doesn't have to be extravagant. You know, you can start at Chili's before you get to Ruth Chris, you know. Yes, um, or in the backyard. Or in the backyard. Or s'mores in a glass of wine. Yeah. Like. But invest and, and get away and don't be afraid to f- find babysitters for your kids right. and go on dates. You know, we talk to people all the time that haven't been on a date or together by themselves for, you know, a year or more because they have young kids. And so um, the longest I heard was seven years. They hadn't been out together by themselves. And guess what, what the state of their marriage was horrible because they made their kids their entire life and then they lost their marriage along the way. The other thing that I realized recently is, you know, with all the different things that even um, Pastor Becky was talking about, that's even just happened in the last, you know, five weeks in our life. um, Like we're okay. Yeah. And I was talking to um, Pastor Tessa the other day and like there had been a lot of things happening in their world and someone asked her how she's doing. She's like, I'm doing okay, doing fine. And she's like, but I shouldn't be doing fine. (laughs) Like all this stuff has happened, but we're still, we're still doing okay. fine. <laughs> like we're still moving forward. And I think yeah. the reason is because we have this. Yeah. So, so your marriage can flourish if you have this. Yeah. Don't be somebody that stays in the background, not involved, and just comes and, cl- and ticks the box. Get people in your life. Yeah. Get other married couples in your life. Get friends in your yeah. life. That's why you can go through all of that stuff and be like, yeah, we're okay. Yeah. We're still going. And I just want to one. I wanted to share one final thought too, just like an overall, like bigger, arching, big picture perspective. When I was just even thinking about this night and thinking about our marriage and all of that, I like kind of burst into tears because God gave me this image of like me, like on my deathbed at the end, like really old, really old, and you know, and it was kind of like this: what could happen if you aren't really careful to like nurture your relationship and I saw myself what could be which will not be but like laying there like looking at John with all these regrets like when you're faced at the end like gosh we spent so much time being frustrated about the silliest things and like being bitter or holding on to resentment or unforgiveness or being mad about little things that the other person did and robs you of joy in life it's like we have one shot to have the most amazing marriage the most amazing relationships on planet earth and I don't want to get to my deathbed and realize I I settled for a mediocre marriage like it could have been so much better if we just would have overcome that thing or forgave them for this thing and moved on like so I just had this image of what it might feel like 
if we get caught up in all these little things and hold on to frustrations, it was just like a little bit of a wake up call, you know, because our season's been so busy, I can get really caught up in all these things. And then we're like, ah, oh, where's the joy? Where's the fun? It's supposed to be fun. And, and I was just like, gosh, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. Like it's so much bigger. Like we have such an opportunity to, to be on our deathbeds and looking at our spouse and going, oh my gosh, we lived the most epic life. Like we did it, we did it right, we did it good, you know? And so when all these little things and frustrations, really in the big scheme of things, is it something we're gonna let harbor in our hearts that's gonna like rob us of, of the gift of marriage that God's given us? It's supposed to be the closest thing to heaven we experience on this side of eternity. And we either make it heaven or we make it hell, depending on how we process and work through hurts and pains and just invest in each other like we've got one shot. So just big picture, big picture. Don't let the little things bog you down. You're going to be okay. And things can always get better. Why don't we stand to our feet? We've got to come to a close. Some of you might be here tonight and you might need to forgive each other. You know, there might be some of those bitterness, bitter thoughts or resentments that you've been holding on to. And it's really just not worth it. Um, and so we're going to have our ministry team up here. And if you guys need to forgive each other and you need prayer, or you need someone to help facilitate that, or you need prayer for anything in your marriage, we'd love for, or anything in general, um, we would love to pray with you and pray for you and uh, start that journey going upward. But we want to pray for you right now, just as a, we have cherished booths, sorry, we have cherished booths outside. And uh, this Sunday, Pastor Charles will be preaching the word of God, the legend. But um, why don't we just pray, pray real quick. Father, we thank you for this night. Lord, we thank you that you created marriage. And Lord, you just create incredible things. And God, the devil tried to come in the garden early and break up marriage. Not just bring in sin, but break up the marriage union because he knew it's the most powerful union on the planet. So Father, I pray for every marriage represented and every future marriage represented. Father, we thank you that your hand is upon us. And Lord, as we keep you first in everything that we do, God, the blessing of God will come on everything that we do. And Lord, especially our marriages. Lord, I pray for those couples that are struggling. Lord, maybe they need to forgive each other. Maybe they need to uh, forgive themselves. Lord, I pray for courage tonight to do the things that they've been putting off. Lord, that they would confess those things one to another, that they might be healed. Lord, that they would make time to have a conversation this week. And Lord, let, let, let tonight be the beginning of something great. Lord, we can all turn everything around tonight yes. by choosing to do the right thing, by choosing to follow you, by choosing to have courage. And Lord, I know that you want us to live a blessed life. The Bible says that you give us richly all things to enjoy. And so, Lord, I pray blessing tonight over each and every person. I pray for those looking for that special somebody. Lord, let it, let it be so. Father, give them the desires of their hearts and let it happen quickly and immediately. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already, and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. 
We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.